You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. We are going through uh, our seven-week series entitled All and Nothing. It's a book study on Colossians, a writing of Paul. Basically, we're saying Christ above all, nothing more and nothing less. Our series objective is this, that we are to understand who Jesus is and all that He has done for us as we realize that there is nothing more that we could ever need. We say Jesus plus nothing really is everything. But everything minus Jesus is really nothing. Our series objective is this, that at the end of this study, at the end of the seven-week series, we will have a greater perspective of the preeminence of the person of Christ and the completeness of the salvation that Jesus provides that will result to a living a life that is centered on Him. So as we understand, as we establish right beliefs, we'll be enabled to have right behaviors. We will be able to apply the truth in our everyday life, resulting to a life that is centered on Him. Just a quick review of the past uh, weeks. Uh, week number one really was an introduction, and uh, it's uh, introduction. And Paul started his letter to uh, the church in Colossians with a prayer, and says that we, that we be filled with the knowledge of the will of God. Week two is on the supremacy, the preeminence of Christ. Week three was last week, and uh, we had Bodhi uh, preach this uh, on our fullness in Christ. Today, we'll be talking about our position in Christ. Say doing position in Christ. We'll be jumping into the middle of Paul's letter. This is a pivotal section of his letter. It marks the start of his appeal to the church to live life in a manner that is worthy of the Lord. It is a bridge from establishing the right beliefs to having the right behavior. Again, we are right in the middle of Paul's letter. Our main text will be Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. So may I invite you now to stand as we read, as we read God's word for us this morning. Would you read along uh, with me? I have placed this verse uh, in the keynote. Altogether, let us read. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this wonderful time to meditate upon your words. Lord, we pray that you are going to speak your truth upon our hearts and upon our minds and bless us in such a way that we live this life giving glory and honor unto you. Bless the preaching of your word. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. This letter of Paul immediately jumps into a conclusion. It immediately jumps into the first point, saying that we are raised with Christ. We are raised with Christ. The first word in this particular chapter starts with a presupposition, an assumption. In other versions, it says, since you have been raised with Christ, or therefore, or consequently, you, are, you have been raised with Christ. What does raised with Christ really mean? 
What does it mean to be raised with Christ? I guess the question really is this, raised from what? What are the things that needed to be raised? These are the things that are fallen. Maybe we lift them up, we raise them. Uh, but the use of this word raise in this particular verse does not only pertain to things to be lifted up or to be raised up, but it really pertains raising up the dead. It's the raising of the dead. So the question is, why are we dead? Are we dead? So I want to share this uh, particular passage in Ephesians, starting from chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. It says, And you were dead in the trespasses of your sins, in which you, were, you once walked, following in the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons, in the sons of disobedience. Say with me, disobedience. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, craving, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. In another translation, we are objects of God's wrath. We are dead. Say with me, dead. Look at the person beside you. Smile. It says, we are dead in trespasses and sins. We are disobedient. In fact, we are rebellious against God, following the cravings of the sinful nature, our flesh, what we desire, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the, of the eyes, and the pride of life. We were objects and children of wrath. We were alive, but not really living. It says there, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. We all once lived, all of us, not just a few of us, all of us. We were alive but not really living. We were like walking, but we were really dead. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, we find this account. Uh, of course, God spoke to Adam and says, Adam, you can partake of any uh, fruit uh, of any tree in this garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because if you partake of that fruit, you will surely die. Genesis chapter 2, verse 17. You will surely die. This is the Lord that is speaking. You will die. And we know the story. The serpent came and tempted uh, Eve and uh, Adam was right there beside Eve and Eve partake of the fruit. But Eve did not die and Adam was looking. Hmm. So that's why uh, Adam took the, the, the fruit also. But because of sin, God's word says you, you will surely die. But they did not physically die right, right away. The following verse, Genesis 2.18, God was walking in the cool of the morning and he called out to man. He says, Adam, Adam, where are you? God, of course, know uh, he is aware where Adam is physically. But God was looking for Adam spiritually. Adam and Eve died just like the walking dead consider us really we are the walking dead you know you know the series right the tv series walking dead we are now in the uh, it's now in the uh, seventh season it's interesting that this walking dead actually uh, really pertains more to to us the bible says we are dead in our transgressions walking around but we are dead uh there is no cure for these zombies. If you're familiar with the TV series, there is no cure for these zombies. There is no redemption. There is no healing available. There is no salvation for, for the walking dead. 
But good for us, Ephesians chapter 2 did not end with verse 3, that we are objects of God's wrath. But it continued to verse 4 to verse 6. It says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with Him, seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Can, isn't that amazing? Even though we were dead in sin, God made us alive. You know, we didn't have to do anything. We can't do anything for ourselves. We are incapable of doing anything. Who among us here know that dead people can't do anything for themselves? Right? It's scary when the dead would rise up to to get a drink of water. That's really scary. We were considered dead in our transgressions and sins, but God made us alive through Jesus Christ. Can we give give God praise for that? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Colossians chapter 2, verse 12 to 14 talks about the same thing, being raised with Christ. It says, Having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through faith in the power of the working of God, who raised Him from the dead. Verse uh, 13, And you who were dead in your trespasses, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, your fleshly desires, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all, say with me, all, not just a few, not just some, not just the big ones or not just the small ones, but all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debts that stood against us with the legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. This is what God did for you and for me. He made us alive by forgiving our, all our trespasses, by canceling the record of debt, setting it aside, nailing it to the cross. This is what God did. This is the gospel. This is what God did through Jesus Christ. He made us alive. Upon that cross, He said, tetelestai. Tetelestai really is a marketplace term meaning paid in full. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Jesus paid the penalties of our sins. And because of that, we were made alive. Amen? Do you believe this? Do you believe the gospel? Praise God. God is good. Amen? Our beliefs, say beliefs and behavior. Beliefs and behavior. What we believe impacts our behavior. Behavior is a tangible expression of an internal belief. No one can see your faith or no one can see what you believe in or your convictions are, what your convictions are. No one can see that. But people see how we behave. Behavior is the external, tangible expression of our internal belief. We need to guard our belief for it impacts our behavior. Because of our new life in Christ, we've been raised with Christ, we can understand spiritual truths and apply them in our lives. It's about not just beliefs, but behavior. Not just the word, but the application of God's word in our lives. We are to know truth. We are to believe truth. We are to live out 
the truth. Word of God says, or Jesus says, you shall know them by their fruits. Now, we know that fruits are outside of the tree. It is external. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 27, uh, this is a very familiar verse. Whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. So it's about application. The truth, the right belief system. Paul was speaking and wrote the letter to the Colossian church because the, he needed to establish right beliefs and therefore ensure right behaviors. So we are in the middle of that letter. Um, it is not enough for us to know what we should know. We must also do what we are called to do. Meet David Green. He is the owner of uh, Hobby Lobby's uh, business, owner of a $3 billion arts and crafts chain uh, called Hobby Lobby. Uh, he has a million square feet of uh, warehouse distribution in Oklahoma. He has 520 superstores in 42 states, ranks number 79 in top 400 America's richest men. And even with this, he is saying God owns everything. He is the largest, uh, largest individual donor to evangelism efforts in America. He operates his business in a manner that is consistent to biblical principles, and he uses early possessions for eternal impact. And this is what he says. And we quote, You can't have a belief system on a Sunday and not live it out on the other six days. Amen? Our beliefs are translated into our behaviors. Earthly treasures, we say we use things and we love people. Let us be careful that we do not love things and use people. Amen? Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 to 2, our main verse says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. You believe that we've been raised with Christ. And now, this is the behavior. It says, since we have been raised with Christ, let us seek things that are above. Let us set our minds on things that are above. Seek, crave, desire, long for, dream of. These are the things that is uh, associated with seeking and longing. What captivates us really controls us. Seeking is an active word. Would you agree? Seeking is an active word. It lets you go out of your comfort zone, go out of your way to search for things. What are people searching for in these days? Well, some of them are like that, right? It's, 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 just, it's like that. Let's, we'll skip that, Kagad. <laughs> but yeah, seeking, right? You go out of your way and you seek. Colossians 3, 1-2 says, uh, this is the NIV version. Since then you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is. It's an issue of the heart. What's in your heart? What's in our heart? What does our hearts desire? What do our hearts long for? 
in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 21, it says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay for yourselves treasures in heaven. Say with me, treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, what, what, what is valuable to you, there your heart will be also. It talks about two things, one earthly treasures and the other one, of course, heavenly treasures. Earthly treasures are, you know, material possessions, basic needs, uh, food, shelter, clothing, and of course, a little bit more uh, commodities to make life comfortable, right? Those are earthly things. Nothing wrong with that. Spiritual things are, of course, uh, heavenly things are spiritual, such as forgiveness, our intimacy with God, uh, um, the power of prayer or a development of our character, moral excellence, love for God. These are heavenly things. The problem lies uh, when our craving and fascination for earthly things overshadow heavenly things or spiritual things. That is where the problem lies. And the Word of God says, seek things that are above. Question is this, do we seek the blessings more than the blesser? Do we seek the gifts more than the giver? Where does our heart lie? It says, Matthew six thirty three, a very familiar verse. Let's all together read. Ready? Let's read. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Set your minds on things above, not on things that are on earth. If seeking is to the heart, the setting is to the mind. A mindset. Setting of the mind. Question, again. What thoughts fill our minds? What do we meditate on? What thoughts occupy our minds? Before you sleep, you're thinking of this. What are those thoughts? Or the moment you're awake, thinking of this. What are those thoughts? What are those things things that, that occupy uh, our minds? I, I failed to put up a survey. There, uh, there's a survey study uh, by a university in the U.S. of the top, top 10 uh, things that uh, successful Americans uh, think about. Number one that occupies the mind is one is money. Two is vacation. How many of us here would love vacation, right? Think of vacation. Uh, three is love. Four is family. Five is music. Six is health. Seven is friends. Eight of the top ten that uh, people think about is food and drinks. Now, how many of you now are thinking of food? <laughs> food and drinks. Nine is knowledge. And ten is God. Praise God. Umabot si God ng top ten, ano? So... Yeah, those are the things that people think about. In Luke chapter 10, verse 27, again, it talks about the heart and the mind. It says, Jesus answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, not just a part of it, all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your, all of your strength, and all of your mind, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Amazing. So we ask ourselves, how do I love you with all my heart? How do I love God with all of my Mind. Say with me again, mind. Colossians says, set your minds on things 
above, not on earthly things. Interestingly enough, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 18, uh, still, of course, Paul writing this uh, in the previous chapter, do not let anyone uh, who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. Say with me, unspiritual mind. It's kind of interesting. There is a mind and there is an unspiritual mind. Does that mean that there is a spiritual mind? Unspiritual mind. Unspiritual mind would be, unspiritual would be fleshly or carnal, carnal mind. Romans chapter 8, verse 5 to 8 says this. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on flesh is hostile to God. Do you see that? Hostile. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Just to put it in a tabular uh, presentation, carnal mindset versus spiritual mindset. Carnal mindset, death. Spiritual mindset, life and peace. Carnal mindset, hostile to God and cannot submit to God's law. A spiritual mind is submissive to God. Carnal mindset cannot please God. Spiritual mindset pleases God. It's important what we have in our minds because what we know determines how we feel and what we feel determines how we behave. That's why it's important that we fill our minds with spiritual things, fill our minds with things of God. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Do not conform to the patterns of this world. Rather, be transformed by the renewing of your of your minds. Our minds need to be renewed. That by testing, you may discern what the will of God is, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. There is a need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds on how we think. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, whatever is excellent, whatever is worthy of praise, think about such things. Amen? Let's fill our minds with the things that is of God. Worldly mindset versus a heavenly mindset mindset. Since we believe this, since we are raised with Christ, we are to set our hearts and our minds on things above. Amen? Do you believe that we are raised with Christ? That God raised us from the dead? Then we need to set our minds and our hearts, not on the earthly, carnal, temporal things, but let's set our minds and our hearts on things above, things that are eternal, things that are spiritual. Second point is that we're not only uh, raised with Christ, we are hidden with Christ. Say with me, hidden. hidden. Colossians chapter 3, 
verse 3 says, For you have died and your life is now hidden in Christ, hidden with Christ in God. Died uh, in the Jewish custom, when people die, they bury them. And when they bury them, they are covered by the earth and say they are hidden in the earth. They are hidden in the earth. Since we have died and our life is hidden with Christ, we are hidden in Christ. In fact, we are clothed with Christ. Hidden here means secure. It means safe. We are hidden with Christ. You know, the valuable things that we have is not left out in the open, right? It is hidden in some secret vault with some secret password so that it's not easily accessible. It is hidden. It is safe. It is secure. The Word of God is saying that we are hidden with Christ. We are safe. We are eternally secure with Christ. Amen? Can we give God praise for that? Wow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, I'd like to show this particular uh, thing. Uh, let me try to pronounce this right. Schwalbard. Schwalbard. Doomsday Seed Vault. Now, what is this? Deep beneath a Norwegian ice mountain. It's a mountain of rock, but at the same time, it's double-coated with solid ice. Deep beneath this mountain uh, lies humanity's last hope to restore agricultural production if any worst-case scenario could, would ever happen. From climate change to nuclear fallout to asteroid strikes and other extinction-level events, this seed bank has the generic code for all the critical crops that we would ever need to reboot civilization and restart the world. Amen? That place is so solid and it's so secure. In fact, it is the safest place here in planet Earth. Hidden inside a mountain, secure and safe. This is what God's Word is saying, that we're hidden with Christ. John chapter 10, verse 28 to 29. Let's all together read. Ready? Let's read this. I give them eternal life that they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. Say with me, greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Our lives are eternally secure in Christ our Lord and Savior. The name of the Lord indeed is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and they are safe. Interestingly enough is this. It's not just us that is holding on to Christ. It is Christ holding on to us. Amen? Let's give God praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that you're holding on to me. You're holding on to me in my weakness. Indeed, your strength is made perfect. It's not based on what I can do or provide for myself that's based on what you have done. You are faithful, you are true, you are dependable, you are trustworthy. Amen? Romans chapter 8, verse 38 to 39. Uh, see, see, Yang said, uh, uh, use this verse and, uh, for the transition. And really, it says this, For I am sure, say with me, sure. Say with me, certain. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, or 
things present or things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can I hear a loud amen? amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In spite of who we are, in spite of what we've done, the love of God remains. It is unchanging. It is built on something that is eternal. And that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Nothing more and nothing less. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. My third point is this. We are not only uh, hidden uh, with Christ, we will also appear with Christ in glory. Colossians chapter 3, verse 4 says this, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. Glory. Christ will appear again. Christ will come again. It talks about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Just a while ago, we had our, uh, our communion. And communion, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, 24, 25, all the way to 26. And we say, uh, in communion, we say that for as often as we partake of the bread and drink of the cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until He comes again. We're saying and we're believing and we're declaring that Christ, Jesus, will come again. Amen? But the thing is, this is the amazing part, this amazing part, that when He comes, He will not be alone. We will appear with Him in glory. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 11 to 13. Now may our God and Father Himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you so that you may be established in your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all His saints. With all His saints. Jesus is coming back and He will not be alone. He will be with all His saints, with all who went ahead of us, who are in the Lord, our loved ones, people we know, who are in the Lord, will come back. And we will see them, not just in the glory of the prime of their years, but in the glory of the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? And that is amazing. That is, that day would be amazing. We would see them in the glory of Jesus Christ. So that's our hope for, not just for them, but also for us. Because we too will appear with Christ upon that particular day of His coming. Something to look forward to. Amen? Really, life does not end here on earth. For us who believe, we have this future glory in Jesus Christ. Again, look at the person beside you. Smile. Sabi mo, lilipas din yan. Because of this, uh, what we go through on earth right now, and this world is temporal, but there is an eternal blessing for each and every one of us. In John, 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. 
But we know that when He appears, Jesus, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. We will be like Christ. You know what? I am, we are, I am not yet the kind of person that Jesus wants me to be. But I praise God because I'm no longer the person I used to be. Amen? God has been working in our lives, molding us, shaping us to become the kind of person that God wants us to be. God is at work and He is faithfully at work in us. And so we will become like Him. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says, I am convinced that the good thing that God has started in us, the good thing that God has started in you, look at the person beside you again and say, you, God will finish it to completion. It will be completed. Hebrews 11, verse 2 says, that we fix our eyes, set our hearts and our minds, now fix our eyes on Jesus, the author of, and the perfecter of our faith. He is the author. He is the perfecter of our faith. Can we give God praise? Can I ask the music team to come? All these things God did for you and for me. This is our position in Christ. We were dead, but now we are raised with Christ. And our lives now are hidden with Christ, and we will appear with Christ in glory. We praise God for that. All this God has done for us. We need to be established in the truth. We need to know the truth. We need to live out this life, giving glory and honor unto Him. God's love hides us in Christ and made us truly alive in Him. Can I ask you all to stand as we begin, as we just give praises to God from our hearts. Thank you, Lord. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the truth of your word. We know, Lord God, heaven and earth will fade away, but your words, they will remain. Thank you that you're a promise-making and a promise-keeping God. Great is your faithfulness. This is the mighty, awesome, wonderful power that is at work in us now. The power of the cross. The power of Jesus. The power of God. Lord, thank you. We simply submit our hearts unto you. Lord, we pray that you could teach our hearts and our minds, Lord, to set our hearts and minds on things above. Focusing on you and on you alone. We live life to give you glory. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we give God praise? Let's give God praise. Our position in Christ. Amen.